Hey, happy Sunday. Uh, my name is Adam. I'm the pastor here at the Vineyard. And uh, good news this morning, I'm not preaching. Uh, we have a special guest speaker. I know a lot of you guys were probably at the conference this week. Uh, but I also know because of uh, how many people who are here right now that most of you were not. And it was really a fantastic week. We'll have everything up on the audio archive for you to go and check it out. But Matt, Tommy is here. Come on, Matt. Matt is from Asheville, North Carolina. His ministry is that he... Um, he, he, he specializes in, in releasing artists to, uh, to do the thing that God's called them to do. He has a couple books. If you're creative type, if you've got something you want to do that you're not doing, if you're doing something but not to the level you want to do it, you should go buy his books. Is there anything else I should say about Amen. that? Amen. Buy two. There we go. Buy two. Um, One for yes. 15, two for 30. Amen. <laughs> This guy's got some snake oil back there, too. That's right. If you want that. Rub it right on your head. (laughs) Cures everything. Otherwise, hey, uh, give him your heart. It's going to be a good morning. Amen. Amen. Good morning. All right. Turn to uh, Zephaniah 3, 17. Zephaniah 3, 17. Woo. Mm. You know, from the very beginning of time, your daddy has been doing one thing. Oh, he's been singing over you. He's been rejoicing over you. Oh, from the very moment that he thought about you, he's been singing your name. He's been twirling and singing and spinning. And when he threw all of creation into orbit, when he threw all of creation out of his mouth that day that he spoke in the midst of chaos and void and formlessness and blackness, and he said, let there be light, let there be a release of my nature in everything that was chaos, his heart was for you. And his heart was for me, that we would stand up and reveal the glory of God in the earth, that we'd stand in the very place that he dreams about for you and for me. Amen? Amen. I messed up this morning. I'm sorry. I just got messed up in worship. And I want you to know this morning, whoo, I don't get like this a lot, but God is here this morning and he's moved with compassion for you and for me because he's been singing over us since the very beginning of time. And you know, the interesting thing about it, when he sings over you and he sings over you and sings over you and you and he sings over me, every song is different. See, when God's voice, it was his voice, say voice. It was his voice that spoke reality into being. It was the sound of his nature, the voice of the Lord that spoke that which was nothing into existence. And it was that song, the energy and the vibration and the movement of that song that hit some old dirt one day on this ball that he had set out in space. It hit that dirt and that dirt began to vibrate, not just with anything, but it began to vibrate with the very nature and glory of God. And it became Adam and it became Eve all the way down to your little mom and daddy. It became you. And that movement, that dirt is still vibrating. And the thing that you're vibrating with, the thing that is moving inside of you, the thing that won't let you go, the very thing. Listen, talk to a physicist. The whole world is just this one big thing of shaking atoms. It's all just moving. 
And you know the thing that is holding the whole thing together, the thing that is holding you together and me together and our voice together, our bodies together and this world together, the whole thing that's holding it together is the song of the Lord. It's the song that God has been singing since the beginning of time. And it's the song that lives inside of you. Listen, it's always about worship. It's always been about worship. It's always about who is going to release the song of the Lord in the earth. Who's going to be the one that's going to stand up and agree with him and begin to get the frequency of their life to agree with the frequency of God so that God's kingdom begins to be released in the earth so that the manifestation of the kingdom begins to be the manifestation in the earth. And the Bible says that all of the earth, all of creation, say all, all of creation has been groaning for the manifest sons and daughters to stand up and be who you've called to be, who God has created you to be from the very foundation of the earth. And I want to tell you that the very battle for your life the battle that you and I are fighting, the battle that Jesus has come and already won is the battle for whose song are you going to sing? Are you going to sing the song that the enemy puts inside of you? Are you going to sing the songs that he lies and put the fear that he puts inside? Are you going to begin to allow yourself through the blood of Jesus, through alignment with the new covenant, through getting in that big old love you know, the love shack, we're in the love shack this morning. Woo! It's a little old place where we can get together. Thank you. I mean, whoa, there's a river this morning. I'd be prophesying B-52s. That's all right. I'm from, I went to school in Athens. It's all right. I'm telling you, it's about getting in that flow that he's got for us this morning and beginning to agree with the things that God says so that our true identity, the song that's been put inside of our hearts can really be released. Woo, all that was free. All that was free. I'm going to start charging after this. No, just kidding. Uh, woo, Jesus. You see, this is, this is the whole crux of the whole thing. I don't know what gospel you've been taught. But a lot of you were taught that the whole point of the gospel was just to keep you out of hell. The point of the gospel was to restore you into right relationship with a daddy who's been singing your song since you were not even thought of. The whole point of the gospel was to restore you back to your daddy so that your, the, your song could begin to harmonize with his song and with your song and with your song. And that all of creation, remember that old Morningstar song, all of creation is waiting for you in me. And you love everything that she made. Woo! He loves everything that he made. I don't care where you are this morning and how crazy you think you are, how messed up you think you are. God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. And he's his one desire. His one desire over you this morning is that you would recognize the song, the song of the Lord that he placed inside of you that nobody else can sing. And my friend, that is the battle for all the ages. 
That is the battle of all humanity. That is the thing that sets the enemy against God is whose song are you going to sing? Do you know that Lucifer, when he was in, when he was in heaven, he didn't just sing a song. He was a song. Did you know that? I mean, it, it says that when he was in the throne room of God, the, the pipes were in him. That when the glory of the Lord hit his body, there were jewels encrusted in him. He didn't just sing a song. He was a song. And when the light and the breath of God began to move in the glory realm, in the very throne room, when it began to, you know, that sound of a mighty rushing wind, that's always in the throne room of God. When that mighty rushing wind of God's presence began to move through Lucifer's body, it began to say, holy and the light of God's presence began to hit it and it began to shine. But he made the mistake that many of us make. He believed that his song, his idea, the way he wanted, that he was the show. That his identity in him alone was the thing that should be celebrated. When, it, when in the, the whole time, the whole point of his existence was to align his, his design with God's design in order to bring glory to him and fulfill his purpose. And so he was cast out of heaven. And so guess what he's been doing ever since? He's been trying to get you to not understand your song. He's been trying to get you to, un to, to, to have a manipulated, religious, messed up, wounded, uh, off-track view of who you've been created to be so that you never fulfill the purpose that God put in your life. See, the purpose of your life is not just to make it through. The purpose of your life is not just to hang on till you don't go to hell. The purpose of your life is just not to be a good little boy and good, and good little girl. The very purpose of your life, the very purpose of my life is to glorify the Lord and is to resonate, listen, resonate, to shake, to, to, to vibrate with His glory so that the kingdom is released and the glory of the Lord would cover the earth. Like the waters cover the sea. I don't know about you, but that's a whole lot better than sitting in church day after day thinking I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm looking for people this morning that want to resonate. That want to resonate with the very song of the Lord. This is why Paul spent so much time in the New Testament. And Jesus spent so much time. And Peter spent so much time. Going over and over and over. Because listen, religion will always give you a skewed, not enough view of who you are. You'll never measure up in religion. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be this enough. That's why Paul, he said things like, we're the righteousness of Christ. We're seated with him in heavenly places. We're, we're sons and not slaves, joint heirs with Jesus. We have all things that we need for life and godliness. The whole estate's been given back to us. Nothing, say Nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I give you the keys to the kingdom to bind and loose. Whatever you bind on earth will be what? Bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be what? Loose in heaven. Listen, most of what people pray for these days, Jesus has already done. Oh, God, heal me. He did it. Oh, God, I need prosperity. He did it. Oh, God, I need a friend. He did it. Oh, God, I need to be provided for. Oh, he did it. Where did he do it? He did it on the cross. See, religion teaches you to be a good performer. 
just get up there and tap dance for Jesus. You can get saved by grace, but you better keep it together in the flesh, boy. You can get in the kingdom. You can, you can do just about anything and get, get in the kingdom. But boy, you step out of line one time and they'll kick your butt out quicker than you know how to turn around. You know what I'm saying? I mean, don't we love to do that? We love to put hierarchies on sin. Well, now this sin can come in. You're fine, but honey, now I'm sorry. Now, I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? Lord, have mercy. I mean, you can be an alcoholic and get a ministry in three weeks, you know? But say that you struggle with same-sex attraction or homosexuality or something like that, and they put you out in the trailer. I mean, you know, hello. Ooh, got quiet on that one. I tell you, I hope y'all ain't got no trailers in the back because there's something you're going to learn here about me in just a little while. What about this? All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto what? Me. See, y'all just sitting here like, who's got the authority? I don't know. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. In other words, I'm packing you a lunch, baby. I'm giving you all the stuff that I have, you can have. You can do greater works than I did. The commandment is to Go. See, a lot of times, you know, as Christians, we over-spiritualize it. We think, well, I got a dream from God, and I know God's called me to do some stuff, but I just don't know. I just better pray and pastor, and I better get go three sessions of inner healing, and oh, God, I don't oh. And five years later, you're still sitting on that dream, waiting on the Lord. <laughs> Jesus said, I'll direct your what? Steps, not your standing still. I made the last part up. <laughs> Inference, you get it? The steps of the righteous will be ordered by the Lord. But a lot of times we just want to sit on it like an egg, just hoping it's going to, you know, it's going to bring forth. I mean, you got to, if you want to see the favor of God, you got to begin to walk. So see, Paul, Peter, Jesus, they all begin to just, they spend a lot of time in the New Testament trying to reinforce all the details about what it is that your song is made up of. You're not just a song of, on a hill far away, stood an old, you know, Jesus, keep me near the cross. You know, just, I'm just an old sinner. Just a, we used to sing this song. My mama played the piano. My daddy played bass. I sat, sat in the front. My sister was mad. And uh, we, <laughs> she still got woundedness about that. We might need to set something up. But, but uh, we'd, we'd sing those old songs. Remember those old songs? Laying up my treasures in that home above. Trusting fully, trusting in the Savior's love. I forgot the next part, but it goes like that. I'm getting ready to leave this world. And the, all the songs, all them old songs that I grew up singing, it's all about just get me the heck out of here because this sucks. I got no authority in this realm. <laughs> I'm just going to hang on till Jesus comes. <laughs> Woo, and then if I can escape, everything will be all right, you know. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away, you know. When I die, I mean, we, that's the kind of songs we sing. If I can just hold on and get out of here. Why? Because the church loved the form but denied the power. And see, God's calling us to a time in the kingdom when we, love, when we get the form but we love the power. We get to walk in the fullness of of what he's called you to do, to, to live in the place of power and kingdom authority that you've been designed to live in. But the enemy always comes against you. See, one of the things that Christians have to learn, and Jesus talked about it, he said, listen, my sheep know my voice. If you got one thing to do in this life, you need to learn how to recognize the voice of the Lord. Well, how do you do that? 
You know, obviously you can learn to hear the voice of the Lord in worship. You can learn to sense his presence, you know, but learning his word, what his word says, say word, his word, the word of God, learning what the word of God says and then using it as, remember it says faith comes by hearing and hearing what? By the word of God. I like to think of it as the word sitting right here by you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by or through the word of God, that it becomes a filter on your ear that when lies and, and things come in and people speak something to you, you know, you say, wow, I got this great idea. And they go, well, honey, I hope that works out for you. Let that go through your filter. And it ought to go, dee, 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 dee. that ain't the Lord. <laughs> well, I'll never amount to anything. Dee, 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 dee. <laughs> Casting down every vain imagination. Why? Because imaginations develop pictures. Pictures develop hope. Hope gets planted in your heart and things that are planted in your heart begin to manifest in your life. We're going to get into that in just a little bit. And so the enemy's always coming to try to try to get in your head. And he's saying things like, you know, you're not qualified or you're not healed enough. You're not righteous enough. You know, how many of us have thought for years that righteousness is like this process? You know, that the, the more good things I do, the more righteous I'll get. I mean, y'all might, I mean, a lot of people believe that. And the, and the less right, you know, good things I do, the less righteous I am. Did you know that righteousness is something that happened to you, not something that you get to perform? You are righteous because of Jesus, not because anything that you could done. Not by power, by might, but by my what? Spirit. By the finished work of Jesus on the cross, you were made righteous. What about this? You know, well, I don't fit in the mold. I don't look like, you know, I can't wear them skinny jeans all these boys right here wear. And, and uh, I tried to roll my pants up, but it looked like goober pile, you know, just like. You know, some people just ought not wear them things, you know. <laughs> I, think, I think the rule is I'm a size 30, 38 from here down, but when you get up in here, it's about a 42. But, <laughs> so I keep them low, you know. <laughs> but y'all not wear them skinny jeans, you know, it's just. It's just kind of anticlimactic, you know, it's like skinny, 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 and woo, hey, you know, just, that's like I always tell girls, listen, if your skirt is shorter than it is wide, there's a problem, you know, that, that ought to be a rule, somebody ought to write that down, I want to put that up at the Walmart, you know, <laughs> here's a guide for you, you know, just. Just right, right here, right there in the bathing suit section. Hallelujah. What about this? My calling doesn't fit in the four walls of the church. I hadn't been called to be a, a preacher or a, a worship you know, man. Maybe God's called me to be a, a businessman. Maybe God's called you to stay at home with your kids and, and raise a godly family. Maybe he's called you to, to be an entrepreneur, to start a company. You know, God is doing something in this church, I know, just from talking to you, uh, with entrepreneurship. If you're an entrepreneur or even halfway toward an entrepreneur, you're in a good church. You know, there's faith here to raise up businesses that people would prosper and walk their place in the kingdom. But the enemy always comes, well, you know, how many people you heard going to, going to Christian colleges or Bible colleges and they got these dreams in their heart and then some knucklehead tells them, well, sister, you just need to go on over there to Africa and marry you some little nice missionary and stay there for 30 years. Listen, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. They ain't nothing, they, they ain't nothing worse than a, than a mad missionary woman down, down in, in, 
in Southeast Asia somewhere that was called to be an entrepreneur, but because of religion believed a lie about her life. I don't want to be married to her. God Almighty. <laughs> Woo. What about this? I got all these dreams, but I don't have enough money. You know, a lot of people think God's going, you know, just send them the check. Everybody's waiting on the man with the money, right? I had a lady one time call me. She's, she uh, wanted prayer. She had come to one of our arts conferences, and I was talking about entrepreneurship and dreaming with God and all this kind of stuff. And she said, Matt, God's got a dream for me. Okay, great. She said, uh, he's going to give me a 72, uh, you know, floor building right in downtown New York City. I said, praise God. I said, yeah, every floor is going to be for artists. It's going to be for worship and intercession the whole, all day through. I said, awesome, awesome. So do you live in New York now? No, I live in Missouri. Okay. And uh, I said, are you involved in real estate or something? No, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Great. And um, have you ever done any sort of real estate transactions or any kind of thing before? No, not done none of that at all. Are you an artist? Well, I just started painting about three weeks ago. And, uh, and she was just could not understand why the check wasn't coming in the mail. I mean, you know, it's like them American Idol people, bless their heart. Somebody lied to them. You know, somebody's mama lied to them. That's the truth, you know. I love Simon Cowell. I think he's, you know, who knows? He ought to get saved because we need more of him in the church. You know, just, uh uh-uh, no, no. (laughs) That is not your calling. (laughs) The grace is over here, you know. (laughs) Thank you. You know, they used to say in the old Pentecostal church, get close to the spout where the glory comes out. You know, you you need to find your place of grace. Find out where the grace is running in your life. But a lot of times, because of religion... We try to think, well, gosh, you know, we got to be like this, or I got to be like that, or I got to go be a missionary or a preacher or this or that. And maybe God's called you in this other area. And it's only until you begin to step into that and begin to understand the voice of the Lord and the song that you've been designed to sing that things will begin to line up in your life. But that, my friend, that's the whole thing. That's what God is about, is getting you to understand how you've been created so that you can align with His kingdom to release His glory in the earth in the way that you've been created. And the great part about it is, Jesus said, I came that you might have what? Life and have it to the full. Have it abundantly. Abundant life is tied to your calling. And your calling is, under, is, is directly tied to how God has wired you. And how you've been wired is directly tied to the song that God has been singing over your life from the beginning of time. And so you've got to connect with the song. You've got to connect with the sound, the resonant frequency that is in you before you can connect with the expression. See, religion teaches behavior modification. Religion religion teaches just white knuckle it. If you're addicted to pornography or sex or alcohol or drugs, just, you know, just give it to Jesus, friend, and hold on. Oh, you know. That's what they do, right? And boy, don't you tell anybody if you messed up because you're out of there. Lord, half the deacons in Campbellsville would be out of a job, wouldn't they? Y'all don't have deacons here, do you? Okay, good. <laughs> All right. make whew, Missed one right there. You know. See, Jesus was not just about behavior modification. Jesus was about heart transformation because he knew that the kingdom lives inside of you. 
And when you begin to get your heart transformed by the kingdom, then the natural outflow of heart transformation from the kingdom is new behavior. If you ever try to live a Christian life the other way around by just trying to, trying to do it myself, make good decisions, oh, I'm going to get up, and it's like a New Year's resolution. More than three weeks, you've done, you know, just bring me the whole cake. I mean, goodbye, Jenny Craig. I mean, it's, <laughs> I want it all. <laughs> I want it all. And I want it now. I do. And so many of you and so many of me for a long time that's my multiple personality. So I went to Candace and got them all brought back together. <laughs> so many of us, though, have lived like that. We have lived in this place of trying to do it ourselves and make it happen ourselves. And I'll tell you guys, it gets tiring. It gets really, really tiring. And you get people that get saved and are really excited about the Lord and they're in love with Him. And then they figure out how bad religion is and they just try to hold on because they feel bad about it and they feel like, well, everybody else is doing it. I better just hang on. And the whole thing's a big old mess. Thank God in this house that there's a river of transforming love that's flowing through here. You know, thank God. That, I mean, we just, it is good receivers in the kingdom that, that, that thrive, not good performers. And some of you need to take your tap dance shoes off and quit trying to perform for Jesus and just receive the good things that he's got for you. Let him begin to transform your life. Well, here's the, here's the interesting thing about, um, about life in the kingdom and about identity and, and that sort of thing. It is not enough just to understand what God says about you because that is huge. I mean, I just talked about Paul, Jesus, Peter, all of them talked about who you are in Christ. You, you got to know that. You just got to be inside of you. But also, if you just know it up here, but you don't believe it, if it's not in your heart, then that stuff doesn't take root and it doesn't produce fruit. Roots always produce fruit. You got bad behavior, you got bad roots. You want good behavior, kingdom manifestation in your life, you got to have it rooted and grounded inside of you. And so it's this idea about not only did God say this about me, he said that he's been singing a song. He said that he's designed me with a purpose and with a calling that he's made me a new creation. It's not just enough to have that up here. I have, and you have to what? Believe it and take that into our every day so that it becomes part of who we are. Now I want to hit three scriptures real quick. Uh, cause this is not hardly at all what I preached at the first service, but this is really great. Um, I'm trying to keep it in the lines here. Uh, turn to Matthew 16, verse 13 through 20. Listen, one of the things, one of the reasons Jesus wants you to be so connected with the song that He's put inside of you is because of Luke 8:10. If you've never had that, boy, if you're a businessman, write that down and put it up over your desk. If you're an artist, put it in your studio. The secrets of the kingdom are your inheritance. That means as a son and as a daughter, you got legal rights to the secrets that God... Imagine a treasury of ideas, a treasury of provision, the storehouse of heaven open to you. And all you've got to do is begin to lean upon his breast and get... Remember that you know, I talked about aligning. Get under that place that you begin to free, resonate with the frequency of God in your life, and guess what? Those secrets will begin to drop into your heart, and God will begin to give you ways to manifest those in your life. Now, you look at in Matthew 16, 
It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? See, he didn't want to know whatever, he wanted to know what they thought. I don't care what your wife thinks, I don't care what your little boy thinks, what the preacher thinks. Who do you say that Jesus is? And who do you say that Jesus has created you to be? Because it doesn't matter that your mama thinks you're really nice. It doesn't matter that Cousin Mary always rubbed you on the head when she came up. No, it matters what you think God has created you to be, okay? And he says uh, to Simon Peter, he answered and he said, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. Notice the change right there. He's gone from being called Simon, son of Jonah, to what? Now Peter. And on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he ordered his disciples not to tell anybody. Listen, when you begin to get this identity of who God is and who he's created you to be, then transformation begins to happen in your life. Kingdom manifestation. I believe Peter may have lived a great life, probably a great fisherman, but Peter's life began at this moment. Peter's life got an overhaul at this moment. He'd been walking with Jesus for a little bit of time, but at that time when he finally got it, boom, this is who Jesus is. And this is who he's called me to be. Things changed. Look at it. Number one, he affirms him as a son. He says, Simon, son of what? Son of Jonah. And then he changes his name to Peter. Anytime in the Bible you see a name change. You see an identity change, a purpose change in somebody's life. And then number three, he establishes his identity. He says, on this rock. Now, based on all this has happened, on this rock. I'm going to build my church. He's establishing something new in Peter's life. And then not only that, see, a lot, of, a lot of Christians just stop there. Well, I know God loves me. He's called me. He's given me a calling, but I'm just waiting on the Lord. He doesn't just leave him there. He gives him, what does it say right there? It says, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Do you know that God has keys for you? There are keys that he has for you to doors that you can unlock to do the things that he's called you to do in the kingdom. He's not left you alone. He's not left you without any money. He's not left you without any resources. Everything that you need for life and godliness, he's put inside your hand. Listen, when you actually start understanding the kingdom, the way the kingdom Jesus actually taught it, you start thinking, God, this really is good news. I mean, <laughs> this is something I could get. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a pastor. But uh, my goodness, I mean, I could start a church over that. I, mean, I told my wife the other day, she said, no, it ain't that good. I said, well, it's good. I mean, it's real, real good. Now, also turn to Matthew 25 real quick. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Many of you have probably heard the parable of the talents. This is a story where the master of the field comes up and gives three of his workers. One has five talents. One has two talents. One has one talent. Basically, a resource that he gives him. And it says he gave it to him based on their ability. And he said, now listen, I'm leaving, but I want you to take this money, uh, take this resource, invest it. I'm coming back. We're going to see how you did. 
The guy with five, he took it, turned it into five more. Jesus said, you know, the master said, good, enter into the joy of the Lord. Number, this number two guy, he took the two, doubled his money. Jesus said, good, enter into the joy of the Lord. But the third guy was the guy. He had only one talent. And it says in verse number 25, it says, or 24, he says, he who had received one talent came forward saying, master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. And Jesus says to him, oh, poor baby, that's all right. Just go on over there and get something. No, he didn't. He didn't say that. In fact, he said, his master answered him and said, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I, I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I scattered no seed. You ought to have at least invested my money with the bankers that at my coming I should have received what is mine with interest. And so he takes his talent from him. Listen, his ability to produce in that situation was not based on he didn't have the money. It wasn't based on he didn't have the authority because Jesus gave him the authority. Jesus gave him the talent. What was it based on? It was based on his belief about the master. He believed that the master was a hard taskmaster, was a bad guy. And his belief system created this situation where he was paralyzed in fear and couldn't do anything. And many of you are sitting there right now. God's given you something in your hand. He's given you authority in that, that realm. He's given you maybe even the people that you need to, to have. But you're so paralyzed by fear because you've been listening to the lies of the enemy. And your identity is warped in such a way that you may be in the kingdom but, and, and, and love Jesus and be saved. But you're totally stalled in being able to be fruitful in the kingdom. You understand what I'm saying? Now, number three, I, I want to. I want to keep moving here. Number three, just idea about this whole thing, just to, to bring it home, is Proverbs 23, 7. It says, as a man thinks in his what? Heart, so is he. Now, there's this interesting thing about our heart. Our heart, Jesus talks about in the parable of the sower, in the parable of the growing seed. He talks about that the seeds are the word of God how they come around and get planted. And he talks about the heart in those parables or the, or the ground in those parables as our heart. And then the heart is interesting. In, in Mark 4, 26, he says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Think about the word of God. Night and day when he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. It's this automatic process that just happens. I mean, any of you that are farmers, I mean, I don't know that you understand. I, I sure don't understand how, what happens under the ground. You just know that when I plant the seed in the ground and the right situations are there, something happens and something begins, the fruit begins to sprout right there. The plant begins to sprout. It says all by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. So what he's saying is, listen, your heart is like the ground. And whatever seed that we put inside of our heart, remember as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Whatever seed that we put in our heart produces a harvest. All right? So as Christians, as people that are kingdom people, 
our goal is not to be just putting any old seed and allowing the enemy to put any old seed in our heart. Because guess what? Your life right now and my life right now are a direct result of the seeds that have been planted in our heart. Your heart is sort of like a spiritual incubator, if you will. It works. You put good stuff in it, guess what? Good stuff's going to come forth. The kingdom's going to come forth. You allow fear and anxiety and depression and religion and all that kind of stuff to get in there and self-control and shame and mix it with a little condemnation. And then guess what begins? Just a big old pile of weeds begins to come out. Looks like kudzu. I love kudzu. That's all kudzu baskets over there I made. God told me when I started weaving kudzu baskets 20 years ago, he said, I'm calling you to weave kudzu as a redemptive picture of taking that, which everybody says is cursed and no good and worthless, and you're going to take it and redeem it, clean it up, and make it into things of beauty and value that people will pay thousands of dollars for. Thank God they're doing it. (laughs) You know, that's what God wants to do. He wants to take the stuff that's in your heart, all the stuff that's been planted that's not of him. And he wants to clean that up. And he wants to teach you this morning as a beginning process, just like Peter, a, a transformation to begin, that you begin to plant the seeds of the kingdom inside your heart. Well, what does that mean, seeds of the kingdom? I mean, is that just, well, I just think about Jesus all day long. I mean, what does that mean? That'll be next week. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, what it means is, I want you to look at Second Peter Chapter 1, verse 3 through 4. Turn there real quick. This to me, when you're talking about understanding life in the kingdom, learning how to to sing the song that God has put inside of you, learning how to resonate with the song that he's put inside of you, this verse and passage of scripture beyond almost any other, to me, is, is such a beautiful key. It says, His divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So how is this process even happening? Jesus said, I mean, Peter says, listen, this is all happening. God has made, set this up by His glory and goodness. It's not to get you. It's not to shame you. It's not to tell you that you're not enough. Listen, He is for us and not against us. He has good plans to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. His his whole thing is to set us up to win in this thing. All right? You with me? And so some of y'all don't even believe that. So just come, you know, just let's just start there. Then verse 4, it says, Through these, what? His glory and goodness. He has given us His very great and precious, what? Promises. So that through them, through what? The promises. Through the promises, you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Listen, this is, I could teach on this all weekend, but here, here's the crux of this. When the enemy comes to plant seeds in your heart because he knows that they're going to produce a harvest, he's, he's sowing lies. He's sowing you're not good enough, you're not this enough, you're not that enough, you don't measure up, okay? And he tries to confuse and twist your identity that says you're not really who you think you are. You're really this. But when God says, when Peter's saying here in in this section of scripture, if you want to see the divine nature, if you want to see Christ living through you, if you want to see the kingdom manifested in your life, then you've got the only way to participate in that. The only way to have that as your life 
is to sow the precious promises of God. So that when the enemy comes in and tries to sow something that doesn't make that that doesn't sound like what the word of God says, whose responsibility is it to take that thing and cast it down? Yours. You've got to take hold of that thing and say, nope, that does not add up with the word of God. I cast it down. It's a vain imagination. It's a different picture of what your life should be like. See, many of you right now, the picture that you have in your life, the picture that says I'll never make it, the picture that says I'll never have any money, the picture that says I'll always struggle with this addiction or with this identity issue, the, the picture that you, that you struggle with that you can't get over, it's a vain imagination. It's a, it's a cloud, a, a, a poof of fog that the enemy has created in your mind out of planting these seeds. But the only way to get that to change is not to be like, oh, get out of it. You've got to pull those things down when they come, and you've got to begin to plant the seeds of the kingdom, the promises of God. You're not enough. I'm more than a conqueror. You, you can't do that. You're, you're not even talented enough. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Who do you think you are? I'm a joint heir with Jesus. I'm seated in heavenly places. Well, you don't have enough money for that. I have all things that I need through Christ who strengthens me. I have everything that I need for life and godliness. You see what I mean? This is not just positive thinking. Don't think, well, God, this guy's just saying, just name it, claim it, confess it. No, this is how the kingdom works. You plant the seed in your heart. Then by faith, it all gets mixed around. The picture changes and your life begins to manifest the kingdom. That, I mean, this is huge. Because otherwise, you just stay on this religious treadmill all the time. And the enemy continues to try to destroy, 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 destroy. See, listen, I don't even think the enemy necessarily cares about your behavior. He cares about your identity. Because he knows that if he can screw with your identity... If he, can, if he can get your identity messed up so that you really don't understand the song that God's put in you, you really don't des- understand the design that God has put inside of you, then everything else is fluff. Everything else, it's just like he can make one little twist and then leave you. And he just goes around. That's what he does all day long, just lying to people, lying to people, lying to people. And he comes to steal and kill and destroy destinies and songs and purposes that, he, that God has put in your life. He's just come to get those off track. And if he can get us into religion and trying to perform enough, then he gets us so tired that we just give up. And that's why you see preachers and Christians and talented artists and all these people all over the world committing suicide and living lives of complete desperation because they just can't do it anymore. And I come to tell you this morning that Jesus came that you might have life and that you'd have it abundantly. You know, I want to kind of bring this to a head this morning. Uh, Lest you think I've just always had my life perfect and, and everything, that is not the case. I'm just like you. I, I grew up in I grew up in a Christian family. My mom was a, a choral director and and all that sort of thing. And so I grew up just you know loving the Lord and being in church and that sort of thing. And at an early age, I started thinking, Gosh, you know, I want to answer a call to ministry. Maybe I'll preach or maybe I'll be a worship leader. And I started resonating with that song that God had put in my heart. You know how that is. I mean, you can, you can see like that little girl that came up this morning and stood by her daddy, you know, she's like, no fear there, boy, I'm standing in my place. You know, look at me, honey. I mean, that was me. People come over. I'm like, mama, do they need to hear me sing? You know, blessed assurance, you know, Jesus is mine. And I just let it go. I'd play the piano. The enemy saw that. 
he saw the song that God had put in my heart. And so about the time I was 11, 12 years old, when, when identity, when fathering, when mothering is so key, the enemy began to come in and twist my identity. About that time, I'd, I'd been taking piano for every week since I was five years old from the same lady, Miss McGee. Loved her like a grandma. She was in her 80s when I started taking piano from her. And uh, I'd go in there, and uh, she always smelled like mothballs. I don't know why, but, you know, bless her heart. I, did, I loved her anyway, you know. And uh, I don't think I've ever said that. Lord, bless, you know, for, forgive me, Miss McGee. And, uh, but she ended up dying about the time I was 11, 12 years old. And nobody told me. I don't know if they didn't think I could handle it or, or whatever. But for me, as a kid, that was a, a major trauma. And uh, when that happened, my mom knew all the musicians in town. So I went uh, the next week, a couple of weeks later, you know, to a new piano teacher to take new music classes and that sort of thing. And I was playing. I was very advanced playing. Um, that's, of course, as an exhorter, I was very advanced. <laughs> I was playing <laughs> playing all sort of stuff, and uh, really. And when I got to the piano teacher, she wanted to kind of assess where I was. So she opened up the music for me to play a new song. And honest to God, it was like I had never seen music before. I've been playing since I was five. She opened the music. I could not read music. I don't read music to this day. I play by ear totally. Something happened, boop, just switched off in me, some sort of trauma reaction or whatever, where music was blocked for me in order to be able to read music. About that same time, my, my relationship with my dad really started going downhill. I mean, you know, I was an 11-year-old kid. I knew, you know, that he was bad and I was good. I had all the answers, you know, how we get sometimes as kids and he had his own daddy issues and mama issues and Lord help. We've, thank God we've gotten healed of all that, both of us. But during that time in my life, it was really, really rough. And I remember being afraid of my daddy instead of being able to press into him and love him. I'd hear him walking down the hall and I'd go to my room because I didn't want to have any interaction with him. About that time, my, my granddaddy died, who was my mom's dad, who I, just my papa. You know, I loved him. We'd go out and rake leaves together, drink a Coca-Cola I'd, I'd secondhand smoke his cigarettes and, um, <laughs> you know, it was good. It was a good life. And he ended up passing away, died in a great way, by the way. He actually went out into the garden and sat down in his, his chair, one of those old web chairs, you know, aluminum frame, sat down, was watering the garden and just dropped dead, just like that. And uh, my granny didn't know he was dead until it started raining. <laughs> and he's still sitting out there just, you know, see. <laughs> So, anyway, she literally, this is the God's honest truth. She went out there and poked him with a newspaper. She wouldn't even touch him, but anyway. <laughs> Another ministry appointment, you know, but <laughs> all of this was just kind of swirling, you know, my relationship with my dad, my relationship with my, the father figure, my granddad, just really, really, uh, and, and Ms. McGee. So everything that I was kind of holding on to, in my life, it was kind of helping to create my identity at that point as a kid. Just, you know, it was like poof. The weekend that my granddaddy died, lots of stuff going on at the funeral, and I had to go stay with some family members uh, at their house for the weekend. That night, on a Saturday night, about 11.30 at night, we were spending the night in a, in a dome uh, pop-up tent in the middle of their living room. And that began uh, years of sexual abuse in my life from one of my family members. And you talk about confusing, uh, you know, this boy was older than me, somebody I looked up to, I loved, I had grown up with, and yet was just blowing my mind, and turns out he had actually been abused by somebody else, and he was just perpetrating what had happened to him on me. 
And so that started then an addiction to pornography and same-sex issues where I was like, I know I'm a Christian. I know I love God. I'm attracted to girls, but I also am getting needs met and, and feeling these weird feelings by these relationships that, you know, with my cousin. And, and with, I mean, it was just a really, really freaked out kind of messed up situation. And I thought I got into college and I thought, well, gosh, I'll, you know, this will be great if I can just get away from all of that. And that's when the Internet came out. And so I began to chat with people online and began to, to meet people that I would chat with online. And you can imagine where that went. And I thought, well, gosh, if I'll just get married, that'll be great. It'll just fix everything. And I got married, and I just did what religion teaches you to do, which is stuff, 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 push, push, push. Everything's fine. We just tap dance for Jesus and act like everything's okay. And my identity, the song that God had put inside of me just slowly began to shrivel. And I had the form, but no power. I had everything that looked great on the outside, but all the life on the inside was gone. That led to a life in ministry, a double life of addiction to pornography, anonymous encounters, secret life, all this sort of thing. Thank God I met Jim and Pat Banks years ago. They were the first people in my life that I ever knew that I could say, hey, this, my life really sucks. I've never told anybody about this. I need help. I can't go on like this. And slowly but surely, over years and years to the time you see me right now, I've been about asking the Lord to change and restore my identity to the man that he created me to be. Instead of building my life on lies and on accepting an identity that was never mine to accept. Shoo. Accepting an identity that was never mine to accept. I've learned how to accept and receive and let grow the identity that God put inside of me from the very first day that he even thought about little Matt Tommy in Columbus, Georgia. <laughs> That's the man that I want to be. And that is the key, my friend, to living and thriving in the kingdom. Everything else is just, is just fluff, is just performance. God's not about all of that. He's about you and about your heart and seeing you live as the man, the woman, the boy, the girl that God has called you to be. I want to end with this this morning. I was, I'm back to that messed up place and that's a good thing. I was, right now I'm just, I feel the presence of the Lord right now. And I want you to, to this verse right here, it says Mark, in Mark one forty. it says, and a leper came to Jesus beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Move with compassion. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing. Be cleansed. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what your life story is like. I don't know what identity that you have taken and believed is yours. But I'm telling you right now. I know by the Spirit of the Lord that many of you are holding on to an identity that was never yours to carry. And until you let go of that thing and allow the seeds of the kingdom, the promises of God to be planted inside your heart and begin to bring forth the harvest, you will never live the life that God designed you to live in fullness. So I want to ask the worship team to come forward this morning.
we're just going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. If that is you this morning, if you know that there's a that there's something inside of you that's not right, that you've just been living a lie. And I'm not saying you're in some kind of horrible sin or whatever. Maybe you're just believing that you're supposed to be this and you know that you're that. We're going to ask you to respond this morning. We want to have the, the prayer team come up as the worship team plays. And I'm going to pray. And we're going to ask that today that God would move in compassion and bring healing and restoration and, and just begin to tweak that identity so that you can be in the right place, that you can be set up just like Peter, affirmed as a son and a daughter this morning. Have your name changed. Be able to stand in the fullness that God's got for you with all authority that you need to thrive in the kingdom. So let's stand together. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Father, we love you. We love your name. Just, just, just thank the Lord right now for how he's created you. Just begin to thank him right now. If we can bring down the lights a little bit. I just want to ask you right now, Holy Spirit, we know that you are the guide, that you guide us into all truth. And so Holy Spirit, we give you free rule and reign this morning to guide us into all truth. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking you right now that in each one of our hearts that you would begin to show us a picture of our identity. What does it look like? Is it grounded and founded in the Father and who in the song that he put inside of us in the very foundation of the earth? Or is it based on a lie? Holy Spirit, would you begin to show us that picture? Now, in your imagination, I just want you to begin to to see the picture of your identity that God gives you. Listen, there's no shame. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But just allow the Holy Spirit to show you that identity right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now what I want you to do is ask Jesus to come into that picture. Ask Jesus to walk into that picture. And I want you to ask him, Jesus, is this the identity that you designed for me? And then ask him to to tell you about what the identity that he designed for you looks like. Just begin to listen to his voice. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Mm. Right now, Jesus is breaking lies about addiction. He's breaking lies about homosexuality. He's breaking lies about addiction. He's breaking lies about performance. He's breaking lies right now about having to have it all together. He's breaking lies right now about what it means to be a godly mom or dad, son or daughter, employee. Thank you, Father. 
Just begin to thank him for that. As he tells you, as he tells you what his identity is for you, just begin to thank him for that. See, this is worship. This is worship. This is actually a beautiful picture of repentance. It's, it's called a, a rethinking and a turning to the truth of the kingdom in your heart. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I want to give an invitation this morning. Some of you may have grown up in church. You may have been doing this a long time, but you've never heard a message like this. You've never heard the message of grace that you don't have to perform it, but all you have to do is receive it. Not just at the beginning, but all the way through. If that's you this morning, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, if you've never received the free gift of grace that he's given to you, in just a moment, I want you to come forward and just see one of these prayer folks up here and just tell them, I want to I ask Jesus into my heart. I want this transformation to happen inside of me. Secondly, if you are, are just, you know that God is changing the identity this on the inside of you, I want you this morning to, as a step of faith, as the band plays, I want you to just fill this altar this morning to come up here just as a step of faith to say, you know what? Just like Peter, I'm having my name changed today. My identity's changed. I'm taking a step. I'm walking in a different way. I want to affirm the identity that God's got for me. I don't even know what it all looks like yet, but I know it's different than what I've been walking in. So as the band plays right now, I want you to respond either with salvation or just to come up as a step of faith and say, I want to take my place, take my stand in the new identity that God has for me. I love you guys. Thank you. It's an honor to be with you this morning. Just come on and respond as the Lord leads you. Amen. Amen.